Good morning. Good morning, everybody. Morning. So Kate has um, been preaching through Joshua, and she asked me to preach the next chapter, which I'm really glad to. It's a really exciting passage about remembering what the Lord has done for us. So we're going to start with a verse from that chapter, Joshua chapter 4, verse 24. God did all this so that all the people of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful and that we might always fear the Lord our God. God has done such amazing things so that we might know that he is powerful and we always might fear his precious name. So we're going to use those words in our first hymn. We're going to use them in the sense of being him praise and glory and honor and power because he is powerful and he wants us to respect and fear his name. So let's stand to sing. Praise is rising. In our sermon... Uh, later on. I know the young people will be out in their own groups, but we're going to be talking about stones. And so I brought a stone, and I wonder, you can tell me what's on it? Charcoal drawing, good, good, a charcoal drawing. Perhaps the ladies on this row could tell me what a charcoal drawing, what it, who it is even. Girls, Who's that? It is God, yes. Where is he? Can you kind of tell where he is? Oh, brilliant answer, brilliant answer. I think you were really good last time I came. This is quite, obviously the stone is very, very old. I don't know the age of the stone, although I'm a geographer, I don't actually know what it is. Terrible, isn't it? But even the drawing on it is getting quite old now. It was done for me when I became a Christian in 1978, which for many of you here is ancient history. You see that? Okay. You can have a look at it later. Okay. And this, sorry. Okay. See it? This stone is on my kitchen um, windowsill so that when I'm washing up and doing all those jobs that you do regularly, It reminds me, it's a great reminder of Jesus on the cross. I can see people here feeling left out. They would like to see it as well. So it's just a little sketch that a friend made for me when I became a Christian, way back when I was 14. And I've kept it all those years just as a reminder. But when we come to this passage that Kate has asked me to preach about, I thought... I have a reminder stone, so I thought I'd bring it and share it with you. Today is Father's Day. Has anybody done anything to say thank you to their father? Has anybody done anything to celebrate the fact that they have a great dad? You have done something for your dad, yes? Well, I'm going to come and find out what. Whoa. What's your name? John Mock. And what have you done? You made a present. Wow, what was it? Are you forgotten? But did he have it has he got it yet? Yes. Yes, did he like it? Yes. Brilliant. Fantastic. Anybody else done anything to celebrate Father's Day? 
We've got a card. Look at this. Not only has he got a card, but he brought it with him. You gonna <laughs> this is gonna be on the wall forever. You are a dad in a million. One in a million. Wonderful. Great sense of humour there. <laughs> You've got your dad a goat. A goat here in Cambridgeshire or a goat in another country? Oh, fantastic. And where is, do you know where your goat is? No. But that's fantastic. So hopefully a family that really need a goat are going to get goat's milk and be able to use that to make cheese. That's a really good present. Yeah, fantastic present for your dad. That's just right, that is. I agree with that one. So we're here to give thanks to God for good fathers and our fathers, but also we're here to celebrate our perfect father. It's fantastic we're having communion today because... On Father's Day, we think about the perfect love of our Heavenly Father giving us sacrifice of his son, Jesus. But also, it ties in with the idea of memory, of remembering. I have that stone to remind me of what Jesus has done. But this is what Jesus asks us to do, to remind ourselves of what he has done for us, that he gave his body and his blood as a sacrifice. So it's a fantastic day. It ties in with Father's Day, and it ties in with our sermon about using strategies to remember what God has done for us. So we're going to sing a song that really celebrates our perfect Father's love for us. It's called How Deep the Father's Love for Us. We're going to sing this song. It's quite a reflective song, but it really leads us into communion where we can remember what Jesus has done on the cross. So let's stand to sing number 780, How Deep the Father's Love for Us. We're going to turn now to Joshua, which I believe that you have been studying through while you are working through week by week. And Kate informs me you are now up to chapter 4. And is anybody expecting to be reading Joshua chapter 4? That's fine then. I hate to stand on people's toes. If you've been at home practicing all those difficult words. So it's Joshua chapter 4 right through to verse 1 of chapter 5. And it's a great story. Last week, I believe, or maybe the week before, you were looking at the people of Israel following Joshua's lead and crossing the River Jordan. And we just get a bit more detail about that in this chapter. When the whole nation had finished crossing the River Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, choose 12 men, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priests stood. 
and carry them over with you, put them down at the place where you stay tonight. So Joshua called together the 12 men he'd appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe, and said to them, go before the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the river Jordan. Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of Israel, to serve as a sign among you. In the future, when your children ask, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. So the Israelites did as Joshua commanded. They took 12 stones from the middle of the river Jordan, according to the number of tribes of the Israelites, as the Lord had told Joshua. And they carried them over with them to their camp, where they put them down. Joshua set up the 12 stones that had been in the middle of the Jordan at the spot where the priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant had stood. And they are there to this day. Now the priests who carried the ark remained standing in the middle of the Jordan until everything the Lord had commanded Joshua was done by the people, just as Moses had directed Joshua. The people hurried over and as soon as all of them had crossed, the ark of the Lord and the priests came to the other side while the people watched. The men of Reuben, Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh crossed over, armed in front of the Israelites as Moses had directed them. About 40,000 armed for battle crossed before the Lord to the plains of Jericho for war. That day, the Lord exalted Joshua in the sight of all Israel, and they revered him all the days of his life, just as they'd revered Moses. Then the Lord said to Joshua, command the priests carrying the Ark of the Testimony to come out of the Jordan... So Joshua commanded the priests, come up out of the Jordan. And the priests came up out of the river, carrying the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. And no sooner had they set their feet on dry ground than the waters of the Jordan returned to their place and ran in flood as they had before. On the tenth day of the first month, the people went up from the Jordan and camped at Gilgal on the eastern border of Jericho. Joshua set up at Gilgal the 12 stones that had been taken out of the Jordan. And he said to the Israelites, in the future, when your descendants ask their fathers, what do these stones mean? Tell them. Israel crossed the Jordan on dry land. For the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you until you had crossed over. The Lord your God did to the Jordan just what he had done to the Red Sea when he dried it up before us when we crossed over. He did this so that all the peoples of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful and so that you might always fear the Lord your God. Now, when all the Amorite kings west of the Jordan And all the Canaanite kings along the coast heard how the Lord had dried up the Jordan before the Israelites until we had crossed over. Their hearts sank. 
and they no longer had the courage to face the Israelites. We give thanks to the Lord for his word. What a faithful God we have. He got the Israelites across the Jordan. And he's done many, many things for us. And we can praise him for his faithfulness. And we're going to do that in our next song. Lord, I come before your throne of grace. And in the chorus we sing, what a faithful God we have. It's number 894. Let's stand to sing. So here we have this next chapter in the exciting story of Joshua. We're going to cross a river, or we have crossed a river, and we're going to think about what it means for the people. I've got a picture, we've got two pictures. I've got the first picture of the river, the River Lek, that uh, Sean and I were cycling in Bavaria in half term a couple of weeks ago. And you probably could think that you might be able to get people across this river. Yeah, it's, um, it was fast flowing, but it's not very wide. But this is not what the River Jordan was like because we read that the River Jordan was in flood. And this river, just 50 miles further south, looks like the second picture, much wider. I certainly wouldn't want to try and get anybody across that river. Actually, you can't tell, but it was still quite fast flowing. I hate it when I take children out as a teacher and have to get them across the road. Imagine crossing a whole nation with 40,000 men plus women plus children across a river in flood. But the Lord was faithful. He stopped the flow and it was dry land. I love this passage probably because I'm a geography teacher and we can talk about erosion. So it's going to be very exciting. Okay. The priests are in the middle of the river holding the Ark of the Covenant. And Joshua says to 12 men, one from each tribe, representing the people, go back into the middle of the Jordan and pick up a stone. It would have been much bigger than this. And put it on your shoulder. We know it would have been bigger because that would be a bit feeble, wouldn't it? So a big stone... Put it up on your shoulder and take it from the bed of the river and carry it to where we're going to camp tonight at Gilgal. Now, one of our favourite places to go on holiday is the Lake District. And if you go, like we did, to the the foothills of the Alps or to the Lake District, anywhere where there's fast-flowing rivers, you know the excitement. We just don't get it here in East Anglia, do we? We see a river, it kind of looks the same. One day it might be this much higher than, then it might be a bit lower, but, you know, it's pretty much the same. Whereas in the Lake District, one day you can have a river that's really fast-flowing and bankful. Good geography term, bankful. And then the next, maybe after three or four dry days, which we've never had in the Lake District, no, we have, three or four dry days, the river's all dried up and you can just hop across it. And I often, well, we often love sitting in the bank of the, in the bed of the river and picking up stones, very much like this one. And I love the thought of thinking, no one has ever touched this stone before. That's just showing my slight strangeness, but just 
There's something really special. You pick up a stone from the bed of the river that two days ago you could never get to. No one had touched it before. The Israelites, the representatives, the 12 men, were picking up stones. If we can have the next slide. And these stones were round. We know they were round because they were from a riverbed. And any stone from a riverbed has been eroded by the water. I can go into the four different types of erosion, but I won't bore you that much. But four different types of erosion are happening on these stones, and they are rounded. And so they picked out four large, rounded stones, and they took them to the land, and every other stone around them would be angular. They're in a desert environment. They've got wind erosion. If you've been to Brigham Rocks in Yorkshire... That's a similar kind of erosion there. The rocks are angular. So they would have stood out. They would have been different, distinctive. They would have been a testimony, a reminder. So it wasn't just that there's 12 stones there, but these stones are different from the other stones around. Maybe that's a message to us as well. When we are at school, at work, in the shops tomorrow... It's not just that we're there, but we're different. We should be distinctive, changed by God's love. So these stones were to act as a memorial, but in a, I kind of think it may be a bit more than that. They were proof. They were proof that God had done something because someone had managed to get them from the riverbed of the Jordan. How did that happen? And in the future, Joshua said, you are to use these stones as evidence, as a testimony, as a reminder of God's power, God's goodness, God's awesomeness. They are evidence. Evidence that the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you until you had crossed over. And so we are to remember if we look at the next slide, that these stones are a memorial, a testimony, a reminder to be grateful. And remembering the Lord is a central biblical theme. 117 times we are told to remember the Lord in the Old Testament. And probably a lot more in the New Testament as well. You can do the homework on that one. But 117 times in the Old Testament, remember what the Lord has done for you. Remember the acts of the Lord. We're instructed to remember. Well, for a teacher at exam time, I'm the expert at instructing people to remember. Whether I do it is a different matter, but I'm good at telling people to do it. And I give them lots and lots of different memory strategies. You know, we do spider diagrams, we do keywords, we talk about things together. Well, God was just the same. He gave the Israelites strategies in order to help them remember. There's a picture coming up, I think, just next, John. 
Does anybody know what that might be? It's hard to see. Yes, you're right. It's the, the words of God put into a little box that you can tie on your doorframe or round your forehead. I'm going to read out the passage where God tells his people to do that in Deuteronomy 6. He's given them the most important commands about loving the Lord and loving one another. And he says, impress these on your children. Talk about them at home. Talk about them when you walk along the road. Talk about them when you go to sleep and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands. Bind them to your forehead. Write them on your doorframe, on your houses and on your gates. And then he concludes that little passage in verse 12 of chapter 6 of Deuteronomy. Be careful then that you do not forget the Lord. Of course, this, that would be, that would be wrong to call communion a strategy to remember. And I don't want to make you feel that's what I'm trying to say. But it is a way that God has called us to remember what Jesus has done for us. the ultimate, that we can join in with him and experience the closeness to Jesus and remember his body and his blood shed for us on the cross. So what strategies can we use to remember what the Lord has done? I actually have a stone. That's fantastic, isn't it? But there's other things we need to do. I'm not always standing at my kitchen sink. Very rarely. And we know what works best for us. And the Lord will help us as we ask him, remind me, Lord, of your goodness. Because we are commanded to remember what the Lord has done. I'm using a strategy today. There's four R's. The first one is remember. So we are to remember God's goodness and power It's to be part of our Christian discipline. But we are to remember in order to respect. We're not to remember just like we might remember um, other things in our lives, like remember that holiday that we just went to. Oh, wasn't that a good holiday in Germany? Or even remember good things that other people have done for us. No, Joshua was keen to teach the Israelites that they were to remember in order that they might move on in faith. So they weren't just to look at the stones and say, oh, wasn't God good? Yeah, he was good, wasn't he? They were to look at the stones and remind themselves of God's qualities of goodness and faithfulness and power and awe and say, he's done that then, he can do it now. And he can do it in the future. It's a reminder about God's qualities and therefore it's to inspire us to walk in faith with God. There's a danger, isn't there, that we just look back at the stones, look back at what God has done in our lives and remember without using those memories to inspire us. And Joshua was very um, clear on this in verse 24 at the end of chapter 4. He did this so that... The people might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful and so that you might always fear the Lord your God. 
Don't be Christians that just look back and think, ah, how good the 70s were or how good the 80s were. Look back and think, God did that in my life. Fantastic. In 1978, I became a Christian. That was a brilliant time. But he did those things in order that I know he is the same God with me today and he can do those things now. Joshua said he did this so that people will recognize his power and so that we might fear the Lord. I changed fear to respect. It's not the best translation. You'll have to bear with me. I couldn't think of another word that began with R. So we must remember the Lord and we must use those memories to respect, to have a sense of awe and wonder and expect the God to work in our lives now. So where are we in that? Are we people that just remember and look back? Or are we using those memories to inspire us on? And as we remember and as we pray that God would use those memories to inspire us, we need to be ready for action. We read in Joshua chapter 4, verse 13, about 40,000 armed men were ready, sorry, armed, armed for, I'll start again. About 40,000 armed for battle crossed over before the Lord to the plains of Jericho, ready for war. So we remember God's actions and they inspire us to want to work for him today, to stand up to stand out as those stones did, to be distinctive, to be different. The Israelites were ready and they were united. There's not many places in the Bible where all 12 tribes are together, working together. Even the ones that had decided they were going to live the other side of the Jordan, Reuben and Gad and half the tribe of Manasseh, even they came over and were united with the rest of the Israelites. Sadly, soon after that, they split and fall apart. But at this moment, they were united and they were ready for action. They were ready to stand and fight for God. I don't really like, I must confess, I don't really like the kind of um, spiritual warfare Um, pictures in the Bible, they're not ones that I would pick out and preach. I don't feel comfortable with it. A bit of a pacifist, member of CND and that kind of thing. But I've been challenged on that as I've been preparing for this and as what's happened this week. We have to be ready to fight the spiritual battle that God has for us. There is so much darkness and hatred in our land. We have wandered off from God's path so much. We need to be ready to stand up and say, I am a Christian and this is what I believe and this is why. We need to put our hands up and say, we are for love and truth and honesty and integrity. And part of me fears away from that because of the criticism that you receive. Part of me fears away from saying too much on Twitter or Facebook because of that criticism and that negativity. But God calls us to be ready for action, to be light. 
And as he has brought light in the past in our country, pray that he will bring light again. Because we need to stand up for love and justice and light. God calls us to remember, to use those memories, to respect him and to be ready for action. As we are united people, ready to be involved in whatever he has called us to do. And finally, the results of that are wonderful. Firstly, we see that Joshua was honoured. I think on the slide we've got the next two verses. The first verse, yeah, is Joshua, chapter 4, verse 14. That day the Lord exalted Joshua. Israel stood in awe of him all of his life. Joshua had been obedient and God honoured him. And the other result was that God's enemies were filled with fear. The kings, the Amorite kings, the Canaanite kings, when they heard what the Lord had done about the people crossing over the River Jordan with dry feet, their hearts melted in fear and they no longer had courage to face the Israelites. That needs to be our prayer. That as we remember what the Lord has done, as we respect him and see his power and awe, as we are ready for action, united together, that we might see the results of the Lord's work. That God's way is honoured and God's enemies are defeated. It's a great passage. I got geography into my sermon. If we just sum up and look at the last slide. And we might, I think there's one more. I hope there is. We might want to just pick out of these four things which God is challenging us about. Is he challenging us to remember or to use those memories to respect and give him the awe and the um, worship that he deserves? Is he calling us to be ready into action, to stop ducking and diving the issues, but actually say, yes, I'm a Christian and I believe this? Is he challenging us to be praying for the results of his work in our community here in East Anglia? We're going to just bow our heads and have a quiet moment where we think about this passage and specifically what God is calling us to do. And then I will lead us in a prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this fantastic passage, how it encourages us. Lord, we pray that you might help us develop strategies to remember you, but not just so that we look in the past, but because we want people of the whole world to know that you are powerful and that we want to always fear the Lord our God. Lord, help us to be people who are united, ready for action, 
ready to put our hands up, our heads up and say, yes, we are for truth and honesty and integrity and love. And Lord, we pray that in your mercy, we might see the results of your work. We pray that in your mercy, you might pour out your Holy Spirit. We might be faithful in praying for the results of your work. We might see your name honoured and your enemies thwarted. We thank you for the good news of Joshua 4 and we pray that we might live it out this week. In Jesus' precious name we ask. Amen. Amen. We have that great assurance from the Bible and from God's experience in our lives that Jesus is ours and we're going to proclaim those wonderful words in our final hymn. Blessed assurance Jesus is mine. Let's stand together. Moses said to the Israelites before they crossed the River Jordan and before he died, Moses said, the Lord bless you, the Lord keep you, and the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you his peace. Let's pray that for one another as we share the words of the grace together. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen. Amen.